on this episode of JR the P. Today, on Jonathan Ramcher on the podcast, we celebrate a monumental moment in my momentous uh, memory. I am six years sober. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Six years sober. Wow. Now, don't try this at home. Whatever you do, folks, I implore you, don't try this at home. Not getting sober, you can try that at home. But don't try this at home, what I'm about to say. And what I'm about to say is classified as personal issues. Don't try this at home. Don't go around telling the world your personal issues. They only judge you for it. You know, um, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, look how people get lambasted and lynched, straight up lynching on Twitter. You know, you make a little random tweet. You know, I kind of happen to like Kanye West. Oh my God! Cancelled, right? So, look how people are judged over nothing in the society we live in. And, you know, there are evil agents at play that have it out to make their life preying upon people. And it's not to be scared and paranoid, but why add fuel to the flame? I mean, there's a lot of people out there that will take a dig at you for no reason. So imagine what they're going to do with that type of information. If you go online and be like, oh my God, you know, I've been battling a porn addiction for three years now and I'm in recovery and my therapist, you know, told me that it's good to share. Oh, you're so brave. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Fucking pervert. That fucking mental patient's got a porn addiction. What kind of a person is that? Wow, what a low life. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, he's jerking off all the time. What a fucking wacko. Porn addiction. You. They use it against you. Well, by the way, Old Faithful here. I think like my first week, first couple days of sobriety, went out and got me a coffee mug. Old Faithful here has been with me for six years now. Isn't she pretty? I love this thing. We put out a lot of fires together, baby. Old Faithful. Got that coffee mug. That tea mug that just, you know... Put out a lot of fires together, sweetheart. Here's to another six. <sighs> Wagwan. What's the haps? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent November 23rd. In the year of our Lord, 2022, welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Oh, hey, folks. How you doing? If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, that is, this is a show where I gob, gab, squawk, and blab about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs, forever. Yeah. You know, as I always say, I'm going to be in your will someday. You know? We're going to get that close and in depth and entwined. You know? I'm going to be in your will. One day, you know, your kids are going to be crying at your bedside. You know, and then the lawyer's going to come in. <clears throat> Hold the presses, you know. Don't 
be dropping them tears too quickly on this fucking bozo. He left half his estate to Jonathan of Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. But what? What well, is a pretty good podcast, you have to admit. God bless your dead father. <laughs> I'm going to be in somebody's will someday. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, my website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan, Janathan-Ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out already? Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know what truly is. Yes. Quick sip of tea, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Today, on Jonathan Ramcher on the podcast, we celebrate a monumental moment in my momentous uh, memory. I am six years sober. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Six years sober. Wow. Certainly... Time does fly, most certainly does, you know? Six years sober. Not actually today. Um, about 11 days ago, really, as today's November 22nd, 11 days ago, uh, November 11th, 2022, is my uh, sober date, November 11th. So I guess my the day I quit drinking was like November 11th, 2016. Right? Yeah. Six years sober. Um, now don't try this at home. Whatever you do, folks, I implore you, don't try this at home. Not getting sober, you can try that at home. But don't try this at home. What I'm about to say. And what I'm about to say is classified as personal issues. Don't try this at home. Don't go around telling the world your personal issues. They only judge you for it. You know, um, I wouldn't recommend it. Because, you know... Part of what got me into this whole drinking mess to begin with was, you know, all my heroes did drugs. Coming up as a grimy, young grimy, but now the habit's behind me. Coming up as a young lush, young drunk, young cannabinoid head, cannabis pot smoking fucking moron. Coming up in them days, boy. Um, you know, I used to read about my heroes and they were very much, um, you know, hard drinking dabbling in drugs. For myself, um, it was always drinking. Um, not always with the marijuana. The last three years of my drinking, I was smoking dope every day, smoking pot every day. So, you know, I wasn't always into pot, but the last three years of my drinking, I was smoking pot every day, uh, drinking every day. And I can count on a hand how many times I've done like hard narcotics, like a snorted Coke, maybe 10 times, you know, over the course of like 16 years of drinking, I drank for like 16 years from like the age of 14 to the age of 30, I drank. So over that time period, I snorted Coke, like maybe 10 times, popped a couple pills, did a ecstasy, MDMA, did that like maybe five times four or five times, like maybe like four times. I can remember anyway. So, you know, my whole thing was mainly alcohol and later on, marijuana. And all my heroes did it. All the musicians and actors and comics that I looked up to. Now, I'm not going to go naming names. But, um, and it seems so glamorous 
And like many people, I thought it was just all a gag. I thought it was all just a joke. Like they're just, they're just saying that shit for publicity's sake to sound artistic and to have a, you know, a mystique about them. Ooh, right? Oh, the hard-drinking artist. I thought it was all just fucking, you know, a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. Well, little did I know, you know, that kind of got me into it. And then um, as time went on, you know, you kind of wallow in your sorrow and your misery. And a trend that you see lately is everybody shares, you know, and they... They tell the world, you know, I had a drinking problem. I had a mental disorder. I'm seeing a therapist, you know? All this crap that they tell the world, yet all the world does is judge you for it. Now, I know I'm being a little bit hypocritical here. Here I am speaking on and spouting off about how I'm six years sober today and all my drinking escapades. Um, and if you dip back in the lexicon to episode one, of Jonathan Remtran, the podcast. Episode one, I turn one year sober. And I get into depth about, I'm not going to rehash it on this episode, but I get into my trials and my tribulations, all the things I'd done, all the things I'd seen in my drinking days, from what I can remember anyway. And, um, you know, being a little hypocritical, spouting off about my drinking, telling people not to. I mean, I'm not saying don't go out and seek help. I'm not saying don't confide in, I mean, hey, it's human nature. People might want to turn to a parent. People might want to turn to a spouse in these times when they're dealing with issues. But generally speaking, don't broadcast your dirty laundry in public. All the world does is judge you for it. Now I now I do it, and I'm being a little hypocritical, but I am an artist. So that's what I mean by don't try this at home, folks. I am a professional. I am an artist. And part of my bag is, you know, making jokes about shit that I've been through, you know, like I'm a stand-up comedian, so, you know, I might go on stage and talk about, you know, buying a hooker or, I don't know, whatever the fuck, waking up drunk in an alley with my shoes off sleeping in men's shelters, you know, scrounging up cigarette butts, smoking them, you know, drunk and high on stage for like a decade. Like, you know, maybe maybe I might talk about that type of shit as a comic or like as a podcaster, you know, maybe I'll talk about wallowing in my sorrow and writing poetry in the dark, half drunk, you know what I mean? Maybe I'll speak about that on a podcast or something, you know what I mean? Or I'll use it as emotional memory for my characterizations as an actor extraordinaire. You know, like, I get the buzz from, I get the ring from Quentin Tarantino. Hey, Jonathan, Quentin Tarantino here. Um, gonna need you for a film. What, are you, are you, are you free next week? I'm like, yeah, Quentin, I'll be there in a minute. And, like, you know, I'm on set with Quentin, and, you know, he's like, Okay, so, like, yeah, man, it's totally, like, jazz. You know, um, this character is like a drunk, like a debauched, depraved, derelict, kind of like you. I'm just like, okay, cool. No problem, Quentin. And, you know, I go in my trailer and, you know, I go over my lines. I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, life is so shit. I'm fucked up all the time or whatever, right? And action. And then I come on set and I'm like, life's such shit. I'm always drunk all the time. I can't take it anymore. Blah. And cut. Perfect, man. Run it to the presses. Wow, I'm in a Quentin Tarantino film. Like, it could happen, right? So, so like, that's, that's what I mean when I say, like, you know, don't try this at home. Like, I'm a professional. You know, like, comes with a territory as an artist, right? You hear this dog? Always some dog shit going on in my life, you know? Barking dogs. Oh, shut up. Anyway, um, so yeah, like, as a performer and just for what I do, it sort of just comes with the territory. Many performers before me have, and it seems to be an industry trend. Every actor, musician, 
comedian is struggling with substance abuse because they're such a tortured artist, which is just horseshit. It's like, no, it's like, hey, man, it could happen to anybody. And it's like living in la-la land. And people come to it for many reasons, but it's by no means normal. And it should be not promoted as, oh, yeah, speak about it. Tell the world how fucked up and crazy you are and glorified. Because it's, na- it's anything but glor- glorious is the point I'm trying to impart. It's anything but glorious, and you're only judged for it. Like, if I was, like, um, you know, if I was in, like, the financial sector or, like, any other industry, the financial sector, construction, healthcare, um, food services, if I was in any other industry, I would not be talking this type of shit I mean, look how people get lambasted and lynched, straight up lynching on Twitter. You know, you make a little random tweet. You know, I kind of happen to like Kanye West. Oh my God! Ah! Canceled, right? So, look how people are judged over nothing in the society we live in. And, you know... There are evil agents at play that have it out to make their life preying upon people. And it's not to be scared and paranoid, but why add fuel to the flame? I mean, there's a lot of people out there that will take a dig at you for no reason. So imagine what they're going to do with that type of information. If you go online and be like... (sighs) Oh my God, you know, I've been battling a porn addiction for three years now and I'm in recovery and my therapist, you know, told me that it's good to share. Oh, you're so brave. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Fucking pervert. That fucking mental patient's got a porn addiction. What kind of a person is that? Wow, what a low life. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, he's jerking off. Wacko. Porn addiction. You. They use it against you. Even for myself. I noticed um, as a comic, oddly, oddly enough, you know, I'd go on stage and I'd have bits about being a drunk or whatever, or I'd have bits about, or I'd mention it casually. And to be honest with you, it's exactly kind of what I was mentioning. It's exactly kind of. What I was mentioning. Sorry, I thought I heard something. Paranoid. But, um... It's like that. It's, um... I'd go on stage and I'm bitching and babbling about drinking and shit like that. And a lot of times it was stage performance. To seem edgy. To seem artistic. Ooh, he's got a drinking problem. And unbeknownst to me, there were, you know, comics, uh, low-life degenerate types that would hear that information. Oh, Jonathan the Drunk. And then go talk and spill rumors and use it against me. Hey, what can you do, you know? Uh, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. I don't have to be angry and upset with my enemy. They don't know what they do. They know not what they do, yet they do it. And, you know, they took my personal information and they tried to use it against me. So that's kind of what it is when you go out there and you tell people your personal baggage. They they mask it in society today as, like, brave, but it's really just a way to keep you under control, I think. Because now they got something on you that they can rub in your face and use against you whenever they like. So don't try this at home. Please. I am a professional. There ain't no need to go around telling people your problems. It's just deal with it, right? You know, because some people are truly happy for you, right? But I would say the majority of people are just like indifferent or they're going to 
use that information against you. Because in my personal belief, we live in a world of cynicism motivated by self-interest. Nobody really cares. Everyone's self-occupied, and that's not always a bad thing. Um, According to The Economist, this is where I first heard this, according to The Economist, Walter E. Williams, private interest serves the general public, right? I mean, this is his point. This is what he uses as an example. I mean, you got a farmer, right? Why is he waking up at the crack of dawn? Every damn morning. He's out there plucking pigs. You know, he's, you know, he's porking chickens. You know, and he's, you know, he's, I don't know, but milking cows, I guess. Yeah. Milking cows, you know. You know, shoveling horse shit, you know? (laughs) Chasing dogs, breeding puppies. Why is a farmer getting up in the middle of the night to do all that crap? Because he's altruistic because he loves his fellow man so he can go out and you know produce food for people for free no because he can make money get paid earn a living um as a farmer so you know that's an example of private interest serving the general public so it's not so bad and you know i don't want i don't want to paint such a negative picture that we live in a cynical world, but it's like a reality, right? And, you know, so when you see all these people saying, oh, share and go out and tell people your problems and, you know, you know, tell your truth. Just a bunch of hooey, a bunch of hogwash, you know, a bunch of baloney, really. I mean, the majority of people don't care. They're self-interested. They could care less. You might find one or two people that are truly happy for you, you know, and that's usually because they have some sort of grace from God that goes beyond the everyday MO, method of operation. And then there's also those evil agents, those people that are going to take that information and use it against you. So that's what you're coming up against when you shout out and spout out your problems to the world. Do what you want, of course. That's just my opinion. And that's something that's new because, um, um, like I said, I, uh, you know, I'm six years sober. I went through a 12-step recovery program. Now, that's nothing official. There's no dues, no fees, no emphasis on religion. It's sort of like group therapy. You show up to these meetings. You can find them online. They're listed throughout the world. You know, it's available. 12-step rep- 12-step recovery program. And, you know, part of these meetings... Um, oh, let me put a pin in that. Let me put a pin in that for one second. The reason why I mentioned 12-step recovery program, part of the tradition of some of these societies is we don't mention it by name. Like, for example, here I am talking about it and what it's done in my life. Well, what if, for whatever reason, I give the program a bad name? Maybe somebody listening to this might not like what I'm saying and not agree with it or catch a bad vibe off of what I'm saying. And then that, in turn, hurts the program. Or let's say I get fucking embroiled in some kind of legal trouble. Oh my God, did you see the tweet Jonathan said? You know, holy moly. Uh, He's a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, uh, fucking neo-Nazi. Start calling me all these crazy names and shit. Well, it would give a bad name to the 
to the society, to the group. So that's why I don't mention the name. But, I mean, it's pretty obvious what I'm talking about as I am a recovering alcoholic. So the name of the program you can find in the beginning of the phone book. Even though people don't use phone books anymore, as far as I can tell. But, um, you know, just begin at the top of the alphabet with your keyboard. But um, that's why I don't mention the society's name by name. Um, but yeah, I, I did a 12-step recovery. And a lot of times in these meetings, people, they get up and they, they share. They share their, there's, a, there's an opportunity. You don't have to. You can choose to share or you can choose to listen. And a lot of people, they share. And, you know, after a while, I started to notice that, you know, it, there was a time when I needed it, you know. But I started to notice that, you know, I don't really think anyone's listening, <laughs> first of all. Everyone's just kind of waiting for their own turn to speak. And the people that do listen are the ones that are like, oh, what, what was that? Oh, did you hear what he said? Oh. And then they use it against you. They, they speak to you in a certain way or they judge you. I've had that happen where it's like I've shared something in a meeting and um, all of a sudden you catch a wind from a person. They're angry and they don't like what you said and they come up and they start giving you crap about your personal truth. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think it does more damage than good. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, we're born alone, we die alone. And there's the grace of God, the beautiful people we meet. But you come in alone, you go out alone. That's the reality. And um, a lot of times, too, um, 12-step recovery isn't, um, it's non-denominational. So you can take it how you want it. But the founders of 12-step recovery, in their story, um, well, the founders of, you know, the specific group that I go to for 12-step recovery from alcoholism, the founders of, of this group, um, in their literature, they describe how the only thing that really was able for them to, one of the paramount uh, ingredients for them to um, have this rebirth and this rejuvenated way of living, sobriety, was through a spiritual experience. Now, people have different names for it, and you can choose to believe or not believe, but they accredited their recovery majorly in part to a spiritual awakening from God, their God, right? I personally believe in God and very much the same for me. End of my rope, drinking every day, miserable. I was 20 pounds overweight, bloated, having paranoid episodes, career in the gutter, life in the gutter, miserable human being, angry of Angry towards my fellow man. Judgmental. And then, finally, when I was able to reach out, um, part of what kept me, the major part of what happened was my spirit was changed. Like, I was so identified as I'm an alcoholic. I drink. I'm a rough and tumble drinker. What could life possibly offer for me without alcohol? Right? That's my identity. That's who I am. I'm a drinker. And then finally my, my heart, my spirit cried out. And God, I believe, changed my spirit. So it was a joy. It was a joy. And I, I never felt any struggle or pain. And a lot of times in recovery meetings, especially in the early 
in the early um, stages, one acronym, one little motto that we use is HALT. Now, HALT stands for Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. HALT. So when you're feeling those things, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, HALT. Stop. Maybe read some program literature. Um, Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're tired. And you address those things. It can stave off a relapse. Right? Yes. That's very true. But um, that's very true. And, you know, like... I've had those moments, you know, where it's just like, get me a fucking gingerbread cookie immediately. I'm hungry, boy. And I'm pissed. And I'm about to tear a fucking, somebody's fucking head off. Get me a fucking gingerbread cookie. I'm about to go drink me a fucking, crack me a beer, boy. Right? I've been in the moment. I've had the moments. But the main thing was, the main thing that gave me the resilience to go through this without any bitterness or anger was that change of heart from God. Because you see a lot of people in recovery in the early times, they're very angry and aggressive. And my life was very much the same as any recovering alcoholic for the first little while. My life was very much like anyone else. Crawling out of, you know, you're broke, you're broken, you're, you know, you're physically just sweaty and bloated and you know for me I had the jitters I'd get the jitters like I'd be fine all day and whatever but as soon as you know I go lay down to go to bed idle hands are the devil's playground you know and you 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 get fidgety and you're itching a bit and you're sweaty and you're just You're just like fidgeting and you're itchy and you're irritable and you're, you know, I had the jitters. I remember like I had a month of, I just went through the jitters for like the first, like, you know, I've been getting bagged out, fucking hammered daily for like three years. I was getting drunk on the daily for the last three years of my drinking. Prior to that, I was like a fucking hard drinker, like trashed five, six days a week for like a decade. So, you know, by the end of it, yeah, I had the jitters, boy. <laughs> Scratching, rolling around, you know what I mean? And it's very easy to be angry and ungrateful. But I'm telling you, for me for me personally, and I met other recovery people that were the same, it was a joy. It was a joy because it's like you're finding your real self, you're making changes, you're getting on with life. And it was that change of heart from God, my personal journey. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, and I'd met other people that had the same way about them. They'd show up to a meeting and they seemed very pleasant and they were very happy and committed. Then you would see others that were just like angry and sulking and court-ordered recovery. You know, people from halfway houses or literally court-ordered. They're just angry and fidgety and mad and when they get this sharing, oh, life's shit and my fucking son won't talk to me and my wife hates me and I'm fucking mumbling, grumbling when it's like, you got a gift. You got a gift of recovery, a new life. A lot of people don't make it through addiction. A lot of people don't. So when you're in these meetings, it's a gift. If you got sober time, it's a gift, no matter what it is. Like, you know, if you're an hour sober, you know, there's a t- there was a time when I couldn't go a couple hours sober. I mean, why would I sit sober alone in my apartment when I could be drunk? It's a no-brainer. I remember being there. Like, yeah, of course. Like, why would I be so- like, why would I be sober when I could be drunk? I've been there. You can't even go a few hours sober. So any sober time is a gift. You know what I mean? So,
So in saying that, I'm trying to I'm trying to get to my story and share a little bit about my story, my journey, and my truth. Even though I'm going to be judged for it, fucking alcoholic. But um you know, it was that grace from God that made it a gift for me. I didn't fight, I didn't fuss. And um you know, I went on with it. Um, also, in recovery, people talk about sponsors. You may have heard about sponsors. This is like a person that has more sober experience. They have more um, knowledge of the program, the literature. And a sponsor is intended to guide new recovering uh, people. I had two sponsors. My first one, uh, I picked both of my sponsors because they seemed decent and normal. And that's exactly what they were. They were decent and normal. Meaning, there was only so much time available for me, which is decent and normal when you really think about it. We're all a bunch of strangers going to these recovery meetings. I mean, how much time and energy can I really expect from a complete stranger? You know, we live in a world of cynicism, motivated by self-interest. Who really cares? So, um, my first two sponsors, um, yeah, they were involved to the best that they could. But it, it soon became apparent that each of them had busy lives, and that's normal. And uh, I was kind of really just going with the grace of God anyway, so I'm just like, okay, cool, thank you for your time and help. And at some point, I kind of drifted away from them. And, hey, again, this is my opinion. A sponsor... I don't know how long one should even have one. I don't even know if a person should have one. Um, I would just say, if you are going to get a sponsor, keep a bit of distance. A bit of distance from you, the program, and the sponsor. Try to see things clearly. Listen, you drunk, try to see things clearly. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I always saw sponsors as being, if, okay, like, for example, what I liked about my sponsors were they were very normal. They were like, they were men with like families and they didn't really have that much time to be, you know, coddling me. Not that I really pressed on them either. But even in the time, like, like, for example, a lot of times we just make a simple appointment like, hey, you want to get together for coffee and just talk some program shit? All right. Oh, sorry, Jonathan, can't make it. Blah, 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 blah. Just stupid little shit like that. Right? Whereas other people are like, I'm going to kill myself. Call me. Call me back right now. Like They're like dependent on their sponsor. You know, with me, just like simple little coffee dates, coffee meetings would get like canceled and shit like that and I start to realize oh you know it's just like yes I can speak to them and text them but you know it's it's very true the truth is evident the truth of life it's like we we're here alone we're born alone we die alone and you gotta swing for yourself you gotta go after your sobriety for yourself and you can't be led by you know people to an extent because the sponsors that I saw that were very involved were oftentimes over the top to me it seemed like they were involved not for the benefit of the uh, what do they call the I guess the sponsee they weren't there for the benefit of the sponsee they were there to like um impose their ego show their knowledge and you know 
a lot of people are coming from very mixed up backgrounds. They have these burnt out lives where, you know, they have these crumbled marriages, crumbled businesses, and this is their way to make amends. And, you know, I'm going to get me a sponsee and I'm going to teach them everything I know. And I'm going to enforce this. I'm going to force that. And I'm going to get back at my ex-wife. You know, it, it's more of like a personal fire that they're consumed with than really trying to help the sponsee. A lot of times I noticed, too. So, that's really all I have to say about sponsors for the moment. Please, if you did listen and you are considering a sponsor, take it with a grain of salt. This is nothing but my personal opinion. And I'm actually going to put that at the a little... I'm going to make mention of that at the beginning of this episode when I go to edit this. This is nothing about this is nothing but my personal opinion. So don't take it as gospel, don't eat, let it go in you know just hear it for what it is, take it with a grain of salt, let it go. Nothing but my personal opinion. Um and to cap off the sponsor thing I think they can be beneficial just to have someone to talk to, just to have someone to learn program stuff if you want to. I think the danger is a lot of times they're overly involved and a lot of times they get involved for ego reasons rather than to actually serve a sponsee. Take it with a grain of salt, just my opinion. Quick sip of tea, balls. Don't mind me, boss. Oh, by the way, Old Faithful here. I think like my first week, first couple days of sobriety, went out and got me a coffee mug. Old Faithful here has been with me for six years now. Isn't she pretty? I love this thing. We put out a lot of fires together, baby. Oh, faithful. Got that coffee mug. That tea mug that just, you know. Put out a lot of fires together, sweetheart. Here's to another six. (sighs) Pretty soon I'm going to have to retire her from active duty. You know what I mean? I couldn't fucking... If I lost her on a bus or something like that or... At, you know, put out a lot of fires together, as I said. So, I have to retire her from active duty. You're strictly a house mug <laughs> from now on. Um, so, what I'd like to speak about here now is the pros and cons of 12-step recovery. I'm going to be brief, um, and very brief. <laughs> Pregnant pause. The pros. The pros of 12-step recovery. You get a place to go. You get a schedule. A place to go on the regular throughout the week. Different places to go to engage in sobriety with other like-minded people. That's big. You're getting schedule, discipline, and community. Something that a lot of, you know, drinkers or substance abusers don't have. A lot of us have lived very chaotic, isolated, debauched lives. So to have a place where you go on the regular... With other people seeking recovery is a nice form of community, right? So there's that. Um, it also um, it also has a lot of information. You know, you do get a lot of information on substance substance abuse, and um, you know, hey, knowledge is power. You know, now I ain't such a bookworm. Well, actually, I do I do read quite a bit, but 
I'm not such a little bitch where it's like I think, you know, every damn thing that you read is the end all and be all. I mean, there's a lot to be said about just nothing speaks like experience. But, you know, knowledge is power. So you get, you know, you got a schedule, a regiment, discipline, community. You get information, education. And um, sometimes you get a sense of purpose. A lot of people, you know, they really make friends and they get involved in their groups. And that's a nice sense of purpose. They're helping others. They're active in their community. And... Um, And then lastly, you get like, um, you know, for that time period, you get a break, a reprieve from the temptation to drink. Yeah. So that's basically it that I see. You get um, discipline, regiment, schedule, community, um, education, and a safe space from temptation in them early days when, you know, you're getting sober. The cons, the cons to uh, drinking uh, meetings or recovery meetings, um, you're amongst a random group of struggling people so here you are living your life having problems then you go into a world where you're now amongst other people struggling with problems and as the old saying goes misery loves company so there's all sorts of reasons why these people are there some people are there truly for recovery some people are there to sell drugs. Some people are literally there to sell drugs. They'll, you know, it's like they know that where else are you going to find drug addicts? Well, at a recovery meeting. People are selling drugs. People are um, there to cruise, there to pick up, you know. Um, uh, you know, I remember this one guy, uh, he was sharing and, you know, you could totally tell he was all about the women. He was always trying to, he was always sucking up to some chick and trying to, oh, God bless you. How's, keep coming back. You know, talking all this shit, trying to act all spiritual. And one time he was up there doing a share, right? And he's like, you know, he's telling his story and, you know, who can't relate? You know, he's talking about his life and stuff. And, oh, cool, I'm listening. You know, he's telling his story. And then he goes... Oh, by the way, um, I finally did some work on my sexual inventory. I was always very promiscuous, and a lot of women always seemed to come back to me and come back for more. I mean, women just couldn't get enough of me. And, you know, I'm happy to report that I finally did some work on my sexual inventory. That goes back to what I said, like, Come on, what are you doing sharing your personal shit to the world, right? It's like, who the fuck needs to know about your sexual inventory, buddy? Just tell us about what was it like drinking, what's your life like today, and, you know, a little bit of good cheer. You're up there talking about your sexual inventory? Obviously broadcasting. Trying to rope in some, you know, a little, you know, some of the old young ting or whatever, right? pervert I remember one time too there was this gay guy and he was obviously cruising right and you know he goes to share raises his hand to share and he goes sorry everybody I'm just sorry I don't mean to get emotional like that it's just that it's been a tough week it's been a tough week and sometimes I just, uh, I just miss the comfort, the comfort of, I just want to lie up close to, I just want to lean my head on a 
big, burly, hairy chest and just cry. It's just really been one of those weeks. I just really want to hang my head on some guy's chest and cry. You're just like sitting there watching this like, what the fuck? <laughs> Cruising for a bruising. Right? <laughs> Whatever, buddy. So that's one of the cons of um, 12-step recovery is you got all these nefarious people, all these people from all these random walks of life with these random problems. Now you're integrated. I mean, granted, you don't have to stop and talk to them, but it's just like, yo, out of sight, out of mind. A lot of times, like, like, are you not worse for wares being around all this shit when you're still dealing with your problems, right? So there's that. I mean, who knows about the people there? Um, and it's also kind of, it can be kind of monotonous because the idea is to get better and transcend and get on with your life. Where a lot of people seem to be on this treadmill where it's just like recovery meeting, recovery meeting, inventories, talking about it identifying with it i am an alcoholic i am an alcoholic i am an alcoholic it's like believe it or not you can live a life where you don't even think about it's just like like i said i feel like god changed my spirit god cleansed my soul god got rid of all that junk now it was important in the beginning to kind of go through the motions go to meetings get information, pay my dues. Not that you have to. Like when I say pay dues, I just mean in a like a in a, in a metaphorical sense. You know, there's no dues or fees when it comes to 12-step recovery. You know, it's free. But I had to metaphorically pay my dues, put my time in, get education, learn things, right? Be of service. But um I credit my recovery to that change of heart, that change of spirit from God. And it's like, I want to move on. I don't want to identify as an alcoholic and I always will be in an alcoholic. And I'm in recovery and no, no, Like, last year at this time, my fifth year anniversary of sobriety, I said I wasn't going to be speaking much about drinking anymore. Because that had been an early theme of Jonathan Ramchra and the podcast. That had been an early theme, recovery. And I said that, you know, I'm not really going to be speaking about recovery that much anymore. And true to form, um, I haven't really spoken or thought about drinking in about a year since that last uh, episode. This is like the... This may be like the first or second time I spoke at length, probably like the first time I spoke in length about sobriety since like in over a year. You know what I mean? Um, and that's one of the cons of uh, recovery meetings is that they identify with it and they live in this past when it's like the point is to to move beyond, at least in my opinion. And again, this is all it is, my opinion. Um, so, you know, it could be like that sometimes. It could be very like, you know, you, you just feel like you're, it's just kind of redundant. You want to move on, Right? But you never want to forget. You never want to forget what got you to that point to begin with. So it is a bit of a slippery slope. Now, I personally haven't been to a recovery meeting since uh, August 2019. Yeah, so what is that? 2020, 2021, 22. See, I haven't been to a recovery meeting in like three years. <laughs> You know, but um, I use all the principles and everything that I learned. I spent a lot of time. I really committed 
my first three years of recovery, I really committed to the groups that I attended. I committed to the program. I read. I did everything I was supposed to do. I learned a lot. And um, I technically still consider myself a part of the group. But um, I, don't, I, don't re- I don't attend meetings anymore. It's been over three years. And I don't, you know, I just, this is how it is. I've moved on. And my spirit's changed. And, uh, you know, I don't even think about drinking. I mean, every now and then. I was walking down the street today. Uh, this chick was puffing on a e-cigarette. And I guess it was a certain flavor that I, th- I must have smoked. I remember there was this phase when I was trying to get sober. I was trying to get healthier anyways. I was like, well, the least I can do is quit smoking or at least, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll switch to e-cigarettes. Because, you know, I had a tendency to get drunk and chain smoke cigarettes, right? <sighs> right? Shit-faced at fucking 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know? least I can do is switch over to e-cigarettes. I remember I just... I, I remember, like, that small little world. The, the comfortably numb... The, just the small little world of, you know, I go out and I deal with the bullshit I have to in a day. Then as soon as I get home, I lock the door, put that 12 pack of beer in the fridge, open that fucking box of cigarettes, or in this case, the e-cigarette, get that e-cigarette out, you know, and just puff away and drink away and smoke weed and you know, just in this little world of comfortably numb, just nullified, just block it all out, right? And, yeah, man, that brought me back to fucking 2015, boy, 2015. That brought me back. I saw this, like I said, I, I smelt that chick smoking that e-cigarette today. I was like, oh, it brings me back to 2015. But aside from that, man, like, yo, I don't, I don't even think about it no more. It's just, I'm of a changed spirit. So, you know, for me, that's the biggest con of uh, recovery meetings is that it's, they keep, it just seems to keep people dependent or it's, I don't know, it's it's like, for example, um, like a Windows Media. You know, like a Windows Microsoft? You buy a Microsoft computer, it never shuts the fuck up. Update? Update? Information? Key code? Password? Update? Update? Never shuts the fuck up. It's like, yo, would you just shut the fuck up and just, listen, I want to check my email, I want to go on YouTube. Might want to crank one out later on some... Pornhub or whatever. But like, for God's sakes, stop talking to me. You're a fucking computer. Do what I tell you to do. It's always talking to you. Update, update, this, that, and the other. Password, password. Always trying to keep you dependent on the program. When it's just like, yo, I just want to use the program for what I need it for. You know, if I want to use Microsoft Word to type up a fucking whatever I was about to say a suicide note <laughs> see I, I I have healed completely I am no longer a mental patient I am six years sober but if I ever want to go on Microsoft Word to type up a suicide note I just want to do it without fucking Bill Gates being like update 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 every two fucking seconds right so it's kind of the same thing with these recovery programs where it's like some of the literature is just so misleading I remember I read this one little, um, it was like a little booklet that was designed for newcomers. And it had all these questions and answers in the booklet. One of the questions was, how long do I have to attend meetings for? Answer? Well, as long as you want to maintain being sober for. 
So what, the rest of your life you have to attend meetings on the daily? Complete uh, indoctrination. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with going to meetings, but I mean, come on, loosen the chains a bit. It's designed, you know, in a lot of ways, these groups, they, 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 they try to make it the end all and the be all recovery. And your whole life is now dedicated to recovery and banging the drum about what a drunk you were and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, yo, old news. I want to move on. And even now, even now, like you see all these stars from yesteryear putting out these biographies and banging on and whinging on about their recovery and blah, 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 blah. It's just like, you know, the point is to like move beyond ideally. And again, this is just my opinion, right? But to each their own. Live and let live. As we say in the program. So, um, yeah. What's it looking like for me today? Six years sober. Podcasting. Um, going after my stand-up. Going after my acting endeavors. And, you know, change spirit. And um, I don't, again, this is all my opinion, and I don't want to thwart off people in search of recovery. A big component in the traditional literature of 12-step recovery. Um, The founders of this society, this program that I speak of um, regarding alcoholism, the founders spoke about having a, uh, I think they termed it um, a spiritual awakening or spiritual experience, something like that. They had that, and that sparked them on to seek recovery and seek communion with other like-minded drinkers. It was that spiritual awakening. Very much the same for me today. And that can be for anyone. My dumbass can do it. Anyone can do it. And um, technically it's non-denominational. So, you know. Um, Choose your own adventure. I highly recommend it. Choose your own adventure. Go out, see what it has to offer for you. Um, Be aware of some of the pros that I spoke of. You can get um, schedule. You can get regimented. You can get uh, community, education, you know, and, you know, a safe place during those times of temptation when you're trying to get sober. Some of the cons are it's a little consuming. It can be a little misleading at times. You're around a lot of people that sometimes have nefarious motives. But, I mean, all you have to do is just, you know, you'll see what to do. You speak to the people that speak to you. Rather, you speak with the people that you feel connected to and, you know, you keep a distance when you feel the need to keep a distance. There ain't no, there ain't no mandatory things going on in 12-step recovery, you know? You don't have to share if you don't want to. You don't have to go anywhere that you don't want to. You don't have to interact with anyone that you don't want to. So, you know, those are some of the pros. Those are some of the cons. And, you know... Choose your adventure. You're worth it. And if you work it, you're worth it. And if you worth it, you work it. Some shit like that that they say. You're worth it if you work it, and you're worth it, so work it. And you're worth it. God bless you. You know? There's a great, charming life out there for anyone that seeks recovery. And, um, yo, I'm living proof. Six years sober. Um, I do still consider myself a part of um, this group, 
this 12-step society. Um, I don't go to meetings anymore. It's been um, three years since I've been to any meeting. But I wouldn't hesitate to. If I ever needed to, I know that I could look it up online, find a place, go, and, you know, sit down and be with other people like-minded in recovery, you know, and I would never hesitate. As a matter of fact, um, we'll see what the future holds. Maybe I will, just for the hell of it, go down to a meeting or something like that. But uh, for now, I'm just chilling out and... uh, doing my thing and incorporating all the stuff that I have learned through my 12-step recovery work. And I'm just very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful for um, the people that I've met and the education that I learned and um, that grace of a changed spirit. Yeah. Well, that about does it for another episode of Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. Um, Six years sober, folks. Um, More new and exciting things coming down the pipe here at JR2P. Certainly enjoyed your listenership and your viewership. Much appreciated. Till next time, folks. Hallelujah. It's your chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent. Sorry, signing off from duty. Signing out from duty. I'm done, bitches. Signing out from duty on this magnificent uh, November 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2022. Shows available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Odyssey, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gangs, guffaws, chortles, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Alright? Peace.